Hey, everybody, it's Trevor Chambers from the O'Reilly Financial Group. Once again, we continue on our, on our path. One more entry into the blog Soundtrack to an Advisor's Life and the Meet the Master series. Today, I am so happy to have Ted Zoller, Professor Ted Zoller. He's the T.W. Lewis Clinical Professor of Strategy at the Keenan Flagler Business School. Ted, how are you today? Doing great, Trev. Thanks so much for yeah. having me. I appreciate you coming out. I know you're, uh, you're next little jam, so I appreciate that. We're getting old. <laughs> we are getting old. <sighs> but, uh, but, but wiser. So, um, Ted, I, I, I have you on the show. You're actually my, my first repeat guest about a year I'm ago. Honored. Matt, yeah, I'm honored. I'm honored. You must be here. reaching the bottom of the barrel. That's what I'm thinking. No, 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 no. I, but I knew <laughs> that you uh, could help me out with this subject. So, so. You know, over here at Old Rock Financial Group, as you can tell by the name, uh, we, we do a little financial planning, right? And one of the things that parents and grandparents uh, often talk about is college education and, the, and college and getting the kids in. And I'm, I'm going through that right now. And how do we save for it and, and all this stuff? No better person could I talk to, I think, uh, about the business model of college and the the state of the art and, 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 and where are we going, especially after this past year? So, Ted, tell me, give me some insights. Let our, let our listeners know what's going on. Well, you know, it, it's amazing uh, what kind of transformations going on now. I think it's accelerated because of COVID, uh, the move to online education. And, you know, a lot of us, including yourself, Trev, uh, think about, um, you know, the, those wonderful years you had at, at, in your undergraduate days and maybe your graduate school uh, where, you know, you were on a residential campus, you went to physical classrooms with physical professors and you had more fun outside of class, obviously, than you did inside of class. But things are going to change uh, pretty dramatically. You know, um, going back, you know, since we're just hearkening to the old days, remember those days, uh, Trevor, of being at Blockbuster? getting a video oh, yeah. yes yes uh, fun fun <laughs> do, you, do you remember uh i bet you had a newspaper route or remember your old, old man sitting and watching the newspaper i actually still have a paper out ted <laughs> yeah you, you, i'm sure all of us do i get up every morning yes i have one <laughs> and, yes. and remember actually going to the grocery store to get your food as opposed to mm -hmm. it being delivered in bags on your front porch well guess what those kinds of changes are now entering into the higher ed industry uh in a pretty massive way so what we remember and what we know of higher ed, uh, you know, in Gen X or in uh, the boomer period is going to give way to a whole new model uh, that will influence, you know, how your kids and your grandchildren will actually experience education. And I think it's going to be very positive, but it's going to be an extraordinary change uh, of the same magnitude that we've uh, seen those three industries go through. Um, and largely it's a, a function of, um, two things. One is uh, we have a record number of people needing education uh, and there's a goal for education to be more highly democratized. And the second factor is education has gotten too expensive and we've got to figure out a way to reduce cost. So uh, the business model of higher education is going to go through considerable changes. I just finished a little study for uh, the U.S. Competitiveness Council, which is the group that um, of all the uh, Fortune 500 CEOs. And uh, we started to see the, the real implication of what online education is going to do 
to our higher education institutions and how that industry, which is so vibrant in the United States, will go through a massive change, but has massive implications uh, for people saving for college because um, you know your product is going to go through, I think, a pretty substantial transformation during the next several years. Well, I'll stop there, uh, Trev. No, so, no, no. you know, I, I don't want to fill up all the air with uh, my noise. No, 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 no. I, I, so um, what do you think is the most, well, most important, most likely change, like pragmatic change that we could see? Um, yeah, actually, I, it's know, fascinating. Residential universities are going to go through kind of a little bit of a segmentation. You know, over the last 30 years, uh, universities have grown and grown and grown largely because, uh, you know, the need to educate people has expanded, you know, as demographics is, ha has changed. More people are going to college now than ever before. And this is all very positive for our society. Um, but uh, new ways, uh, new pedagogies, new curricula are being developed online that will deliver the same educational content albeit not on a campus type of, type of framework. And you're gonna to start to see uh, new business models offered where there'll be uh, pure residential, there'll be residential hybrid, there'll be pure distance. Uh, and uh, there'll be educational products that will be available that wouldn't involve you going onto a college campus. Um, we're already seeing that uh, in the delivery mechanisms. It's a fascinating change that's occurring. And, you know, I think it could be a very positive thing, um, but it will be very disruptive to the economic model of higher education, which is really born on now uh, tuition paying students who uh, are resident in a uh, residential college environment. So it's going to be a massive um, fiscal uh, reality that universities are going to have to rationalize. You know, it's going to create two different, or maybe three different, I mean, the on-campus experience is the on-campus experience you know what i mean and, and it is it's hard it. to replace you can't hard replace to it place and so you know is there do you pay less for the online i assume and how how dramatically you know who knows i mean right with that but and also you know if you go and, and get a job, let's say technical job, you know, and, and a computer engineering job, your your starting salary is theoretically pretty high versus an English, which I love liberal arts. Don't get me wrong, right? But right. do you have to pay the same? I mean, maybe I'm getting new nuance, but is that the same? Well, well that you're bringing up a very good point. Um, you know, what are the outcomes that you could expect from an education? And uh, what you're going to see is education. Uh, unbundled from degrees. You know, if you want to get an engineering degree, you go to an engineering school. You'll send your child to an engineering school. They'll become a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, or, a, you know, maybe a, a biomedical engineer. Um, but uh, in the future, I think you'll be able to develop knowledge online through taking courses online that would accumulate to that degree and there'll be intermediate stops on the way, for instance, the certifications or uh, small specializations that would be uh, cumulative maybe to the degree or would complement the degree. So um, I think we're gonna see a greater degree of what I call T-shaped learners, which are people who learn something deeply, but also have a wider perspective on things that they can do. So I'm pretty bullish on the likelihood of um, education actually delivering on vocational and professional goals 
because uh, I think education will be much more tailored in the future to those goals. At the same time, young people need to be educated and there is a social cultural aspect of living with one another on a campus that is part of growing up. And I think it's a big part of American ethnography. As a matter of fact, I think that campus experience is built into the American phenomena. So I have a feeling that what will happen is residential colleges will be um, uh, you know, in the liberal arts core, the four-year degree will um, be supplemented by uh, online and uh, there will be a number of uh, opportunities to do um, hybrid types of offers. But uh, in, in the residential campus will still probably be an ingredient, but it won't be the only way to get educated. Let's face it, not all kids are ready to go to college when they finish high school. Some kids are not really cut out to um, consume you know, uh, a general education uh, at, at the age 20. Uh, some are better positioned uh, to really learn a, a technical background or a trade. Um, and I think that that kind of education will be much more democratized, much more available to people in the future. Um, so higher education as we see it will still exist, but it will be supplemented with whole new and different ways to access educational solutions for your goals. And, and much more, potentially much more targeted. Very targeted, yeah. very specialized. You can think about um, the resume yeah. of the future, not just being your core education, you know, where you went to school, but specifically what you've learned from whom for what outcome. And uh, learning will be an uh, ongoing process. It's uh, not going to be limited to age uh, 19 to 24. It's going to be a lifelong type of process. And uh, um, I think all of the programs are moving in that direction. Um, that being said, because it is such a, a valuable um, and important part of our culture, I do believe the four-year degree will still be a thing and uh, the residential campus will still be a thing, but it won't be the only alternative people will have. And it yeah. may end up being segmented out that the four-year residential experience will be something that will be reserved for the people that are willing to pay the most. But you had mentioned, ironically, you would think online education would be cheaper. Right now, it, because of the convenience factor, you're seeing many educational products online more expensive, mm. uh, higher price than what you're seeing in residential settings. So, you know, time still will tell how the market is going to respond to these educational products and these brands. You know, what you would pay for um, a certificate from Harvard will be different than what you would pay from your local community college. Um, uh, so, you know, it'll, at times are early to know how the pricing uh, will settle and how the business model will kind of uh, take form. Well, you also could, as far as the physical setting, because of the past year's events, there's gonna be some businesses, excuse me, colleges going out, theoretically going out of business. Or at least that's what I heard. What's the, what's the scoop on that? And the reason why I ask that is we're talking about a supply and demand thing. If we, if we cut, if, if place, some places go out, out of line, you know, offline, some colleges go offline, that's going to cut the supply down and that might increase what's left out there. You know what I mean? I, I don't, but it's, what's it's, the subtle butt on that? Are we losing that, any that's, that's real. That, that's yeah. absolutely real. I, you know, it, it, if, if you could answer the question for me, what is the largest university in the United States right now uh, granting degrees? Any ideas? Uh, degrees. Universities? Um, yeah. 
Scott, I, I don't know, State University of New York, I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, SUNY's a big one. Uh, uh, Ohio State's a big one. UT Austin, U, uh, the UC system. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's Arizona State University. Oh, interesting. And it's because they've gone completely online. They have more online learner. They have more learners granting degrees than any other institution in the country. Wow. Um, and they are uh, affordable. Um, it's an affordable pathway to get an undergraduate degree. And it's a it's an actual bona fide university. It's a it's yeah. a terrific degree. Um, you're going to see pressure um, as the schools move more to online education, uh, providing. Uh, equivalent products uh, educationally than what you would see typically in a teaching institution, like your regional college, or maybe even some of the things that are learned in the community college level. A lot of that work will be done uh, in, in, in the online environment. And um, you'll see uh, schools that have scholarship and innovation as part of their core, probably seeking to invest even further in innovation and research and development uh, to maintain kind of their research prowess is that they're creating knowledge. You know, big function of the university is to create knowledge, not just educate. So uh, you're going to see kind of a bifurcation between teaching resources and research resources. And uh, you're going to find the big comprehensive research universities will still have a major teaching mission and will become very prominent and probably bigger whereas um, the smaller teaching colleges will go through a, a fundamental uh, um, inversion of their economic model that will result in many of them perhaps losing the opportunity to operate. Um, uh, wow. So be, be looking out for this. I think you'll see a segmentation based on the quality of education and the, and the positioning of the university and its situation. No endowment, while there's a historic uh, growth of endowments over the last 20 years in the United States, uh, no endowment will pay for the needs of a university continuing to operate uh, indefinitely. The only university in the country that could operate on its endowment without tuition and uh, without um, its residential operations is Princeton University. And they've amassed enough of an endowment to operate without any future money. Um, but most universities are not Princeton University. Yep. Most universities are being funded uh, their operations are funded only about 20% to 30% uh, uh, on their endowment base. Ah. Ted, can you, would you have ever believed, I mean, you, you know, this has got to be so interesting for you, this, this, because it's mashing up like education and entrepreneurialism all like in one, it's got to be so cool for you to watch. Higher, higher education is going through its entrepreneurial phase. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's like it's like it's like the church, you know. Yeah. The church doesn't move, uh, but it's being compelled to move now, um, and okay. uh, we're seeing real leadership. Um, we the first, you know, phase of this work was done by private uh, corporations that were looking to develop uh, online products, and then some of them tried to buy universities, and uh, it, they were largely not very successful in doing that. Now we're seeing uh, big partnerships being set up. Uh, major online education resources that are aligning with certain consortia of universities and being their delivery platform to help them come up to speed technically quickly and then offer their, their educational products online. Um, now we're talking about the business model of higher education, but it has huge implications for you know, savings. And when you're thinking about what tuition will look like in the future, the good news is I hope that, and this might be, uh, you know, 
if you're recording this, uh, uh, you know, fateful last words, but I, I think the cost of education will actually go down um, because there'll be so many different alternatives. You know, if supply and demand and, and competition work out the way I think it will, uh, universities will compete like mad for uh, the students. And there'll be so many alternatives available that, um, you know, there'll be winners and there'll be losers. Um, well, I'd like to further go on a record because yes, Professor Zala, this is being recorded, and I will use this against you. <laughs> anyway. When your clients um, are paying a million dollars for education, yeah, yeah, yeah. bring this no, back up. Okay, good deal. I would say that the, the you know, traditional on-campus experience that so many uh, families want their kids to be part of will actually increase yes. in cost. That's right? right, and the Harvards and the Stanfords will really increase in cost in that regard. That's right. But overall, yeah, you can have an a la carte, to use a restaurant term, uh, situation where you you know you could say to your kid, "Hey, look, you can still go to school, but here's the menu of options that are just going to make sense for the budget." Yeah, I you know I gotta admit I never I've never been a big fan of you know elitism in higher ed you know oh I, no 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 I get it yeah and the the, the Ivy League phenomena is actually something I, I really uh, have concerns about because it creates yeah. a have and have not and you know pretty okay. soon there'll be messages that certain degrees are worth more than other degrees and look it's the content of the education that boils down to the importance of it um, I think the experience is a different question altogether. And if a, a parent wants to send their child or a grandparent wants to send a child to a residential experience to, you know, go through that experience, which is an extraordinarily valuable experience, I think the market will ask you to pay for it. And um, uh, my sense is that it will create a bifurcated market between user, users, learners who uh, acquire learning online over their lifetime versus those who have the privilege of being on campus and mixing it up hand to hand with the educators. Uh, and probably paying a probably a greater percentage of their dollars for that opportunity. I think, though, of all my all my friends who couldn't go to college because they couldn't afford it, or uh, all the kids that weren't ready to go to college when they were 19. And I think the future looks really good for those kids because uh, I think they'll be able to take education uh, as their life unfolds, as they're able to. Um, you know, pay, uh, and they'll also be able to consume education when they're ready to really learn, as opposed to being forced into um, a square uh, hole when you're around peg. Yeah, I've got a nephew that just um, got AWS certified, a couple certification levels for like a couple hundred bucks, and the guy's like, you know, he's going to go out and get a job immediately. You got it, and that's the future. Yeah, I think you're going to see dyads that the same time, yeah. I think there's a real commitment to liberal arts. You know, I think that there a lot of us realize that being well educated and having a well educated population is really a critical thing. And there is something about just the basics of how to learn and thinking about the deeper questions in philosophy and the deeper questions in the way we manage our society, uh, governance, uh, law, uh, issues around psychology, um, and then all the health issues. That you know, I have a feeling that. Um, you know, there will always be a, a liberal arts type of affinity. At the same time, um, I think that education is going to become much more specialized. 
it's going to really boil down to if the educators are facile enough to actually design curriculum so that they can give a good general education, but then be able to translate that into a hyper-specialized, importantly actionable education that employers want. So finding that fit between uh, a trained population and what we need to um, you know, run our world. Uh, and right now, I would argue that that fits not very good. You know, um, yeah. if I talk to my friends who are running businesses that are operating HVAC operations or plumbers, you know, there are six-figure plumbers out there right now because the market is so so. Um, uh, they're seeking people who can do the do the the trades. The and there's a lot of dignity in the trades. We we've got to realize that these are going to be technical jobs in the future. They're not, uh, uh, you know, another class of jobs. They're just going to be other kinds of jobs. So I have a feeling that the distinction between white and blue collar is going to quickly fall away. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of people, out, unfortunately, left behind. And yeah. If, if we're again. not, if we're not smart about it, there yeah. will be. Yeah. But I do think that we're going to find solutions for uh, people to, to really upskill and, 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 and benefit from greater learning because that's the, that's the great equalizer. Uh, yep. Education will always be the great equalizer. It, it, you know, it, we just have to make it make sure everyone has availability to it. Undoubtedly, and and I, I wholeheartedly agree with your um uh more you know having like a humanities based or or, or broad based uh, liberal arts based uh, education is awesome, and I think I think you know everybody go be tech go to go you know go into engineering go into science and all and that's all, that's all great, but there's I tell you, the liberal arts, uh, my dad was in that space. You know, my dad was a professor, as you know, and so I get it, you know, and you it's know, huge. And I, I yeah, love I'm that a, model. That seems to I'm make a sense to me. I'm a business professor and, you know, I, I don't think I, on my deathbed, I'm going to be thinking about, you know, um, a balance sheet. Um, I'm pretty confident that I'll be thinking about the broader issues that are important in a person's life. And, you know, yeah. it's important that people mature and they put things in perspective and they, they understand how to critically um, analyze, uh, you know, uh, information so that they qualify that information. So it's, it's, it's sound to make decisions on. And I think many of the skills you learn in a general education are about just problem solving and uh, being able to critically examine information. At the same time, you know, we all have to have a skill and a trade that we can uh, be productive with. So um, I think that the future looks good in relation to uh, education matching future needs. But uh, in the meantime, we're gonna go through a really tough transformation as higher ed is dealing with this you know, new normal of uh, uh, being online. I've, I've gone through it over the last year, literally moving all of my residential coursework to online. And I gotta tell you, it's not as satisfying as a professor and I'm confident it's not as satisfying as an educator because I've talked to my students about it. But I do think that it's um, uh, a new normal. It's going, maybe not everything will be online, but um, there'll always be an ingredient of online in the future of higher education. So the, to sum it all up, uh, yeah, I think we both agree that we, we, we may be entering um, a new business dynamic when, it, if, you, if you will, with the college or maybe the beginnings of a price changing uh, dynamic. And that has directly to do with savings. And, Absolutely. You know, and, and so for all the grandparents and parents out there, 
or soon to be parents, uh, you know, take, take heed. You still got to save up your shekels if you can. But, I know uh, so many middle-class parents who, who face uh, that fateful decision when uh, their, their, uh, loved, their loved one, their child says, you know, I want to go to Swarthmore or I would really love to go to Dartmouth or I would yeah. be really enchanted by Yale. And the good news is many of those top universities have scholarship programs that help equalize it based on uh, the income of the parents. But still in all, these prices are outrageous. And, and um, you know, we're now asking parents to put away for a private education a half million dollars. And, and that's, that's out of whack. So I have a yeah. feeling that there'll be segmentation of, you know, private offerings that will, you know, probably remain expensive. And then a blend of different types of offerings that will um, include, I think, the commitment to public education as well as online education that will um, help make education more affordable to others and also help students uh, prepare for um, their future as, as um, you know, members of our society. Yeah. I mean, we, we tell people right now for a state school, it's 25 a year, all in 26. That's kind of what you have to budget. Yep. They're going to live on campus and do the whole yeah. thing. And, you know, there, there are, you know, that you can actually see the ratings are a number of universities are well north of that. And it's, um, yeah, I think all higher education leadership realizes this is an unsustainable trend. Yeah. Uh, the cost of education has gone up faster than the cost of inflation and, uh, you know, families can't afford, uh, things and some are being priced out of the market, whereas others are completely inelastic, you know? There, there are universities that can put any number on the tuition, and if they, they admit someone, they will pay for it. Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable. And frankly, from my opinion, I don't think they're getting their money's worth because, yeah. you know, the brand names aren't always the best universities for a given discipline. You have to be much more focused on who's there teaching what and what are they doing today as opposed to what they did in the, at the turn of the century. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, still people want to do it, you know what I mean? And then, so if yeah, that's what I you mean, want, you, you know, I, I'm, I help people plan for that. My firm does, that's what we do. And if that's what you want to do, here's the reality of it. <laughs> that, I can that, literally map it out for you if you want. So, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be banking, uh, your, your children's, uh, uh, trust fund, uh, right now because higher ed is going to go down in, in Ted Zoller's estimation. I right. think that if you want to send your kid to an elite school, and uh, a scholarship aid is not available, you're going to have to probably prepare for the same kind of costs we're dealing with right now yep. for the foreseeable future. And some of the trends I'm talking about are going to unfold over the next five to 10 years and will um, present market opportunities for people who would be buying and consuming higher ed. So there are many ways to um, you know, uh, position uh, education for your, your child um, uh, in the future. Um, and if you are committed to uh, sending your kid, your, your kid to your alma mater or to some prestigious school, um, definitely save up. You know, it's going to take every, every bit of your savings uh, uh, to, to help get through that process. It's part of life. You know, I guess you spend the first uh, uh, five years uh, of your marriage figuring out how you're going to take care of your first baby, then your second baby, then your third baby. And then you move to um, uh, their teenage years where the prices of their toys go way, way up. And then you have college tuition and then you have their weddings and then you have uh, their, their uh, you know, uh, all the things when they're raising their children. So 
it never really ends. So the, I think the bottom line is the sound principles you're, you're, you're saying in your practice, Trevor, are about the saving and targeting your, your money to the things you most uh, care about. And, uh, you know, higher education in the short term probably is not going to, um, you know, be of high value. In the long term, I think things look better. Yeah. But again, I think lifelong, right? Yeah. So you have to think about saving for educational products throughout the duration of your career. So many of the people who are in active earning positions will have to reserve a portion of their uh, sa- salaries and their income to um, take care of their educational needs to upskill. Because boy, the cycle, um, I got to tell you, education, the half-life of education is never been shorter. Uh, there's more information and more new in- innovation occurring on a faster pace that it's almost impossible to keep up. So I do think that you're going to return to the classroom pretty regularly to learn where things are going. Well, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't agree more on that. A- a- absolutely. Point. But I think it's kind of an, that interesting framing of the half-life. Um, and it's, it's, it's true. Um, and uh, well, I, I think, um, Ted, I think that's just wonderful. Um, uh, that was great information uh, for us to talk about and really in depth. I mean, I, I knew that you were going to knock it out of the park. I knew. Well, I thanks. Knew, uh, thanks, know, Trevor. I, from Amanda I, at, least, I le- at least I gave uh, folks something to think about. And uh, yeah. I'm really looking forward to um, seeing how it all unfolds. And as an educator, I really do believe that higher education is the key to a person's future. Uh, and you have to find the educational solution that's right for your kid. And, uh, you know, uh, there's no one size fits all, you know, um, find the right model for your child as they develop and, and uh, they'll have a happy life. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And, and listen, in college education, it, it definitely is a huge value over your lifetime. Every, I mean, not everyone knows that, but I I, I, I'm sure that Ted would agree with that. I mean, it is valuable. Absolutely. It is a valuable experience and something we cherish, I think, a great deal. And I'm glad to know that there are people that are, um, you know, supporting uh, with their philanthropy uh, universities because I think it's money well spent. Yeah. Uh, because you're just basically um, supporting your future. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope this was helpful. And, and- it was perfect. I and mean, I couldn't ask for anything more. Can I just ask you one uh, now that I have you, I just want to ask one other non-related question, but maybe it's related. I don't know. Ted, you see a lot of, of cool startups and cool companies. Oh my God. Tell it's me about one that's uh, just one. You can even tell me two. That's just like, oh my God, this thing is tough. <laughs> it's got to be some, because that's your kind of calling card, by the way. If you want to know what's going on, on the margin, and that's probably going to be something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, here's your well, I, I don't know if I, I can. More, like a couple more minutes out of you, I'd appreciate. I'm not sure I can tell you the blockbuster, but I will tell you I'm pretty excited about a project I just heard about this morning. Uh, it's four young undergraduates, they're all sophomores at Carolina, have come up with a very simple technology to stick ultraviolet light in a water bottle and disinfect the water bottle. And if you know, if you use a water bottle multiple times, and especially if you consume it, um, it in, in inserts all sorts of, you know, uh, treats uh, in, in there by way of bacteria. And, you know, there are bazillion uh, reusable water bottles out there. 
And uh, I don't know of any solution to sterilize them. So these young sophomores have come up with a solution to basically stick ultraviolet light in. On the longer term, what, what is fascinating is 20 years ago, uh, uh, I had a professor in my classroom uh, who uh, was interested in figuring out genetic therapy. And he came up with a, a virus vector that would allow a gene therapy to um, be uh, brought into drugs to change some of the, uh, humanity's worst diseases wow. and uh, do gene editing. And that company is called Ask Bio and Jude. Oh Samosa. yeah, yeah. I just saw I just saw something about them the other day. Very yeah. Okay, cool. That company started in my class twenty years ago, and they what? just sold the Bayar for four billion dollars. And I just saw that. <laughs> and that's the tip of the iceberg for uh, you know yeah. what could be a solution for all of us as we're approaching our old age. We'll have gene therapy to you know maybe someday I'll I'll die with hair uh, as opposed Dad, to being bald like that. You. You better stop over to those people right now because I'm working on that. Get, get, get something <laughs> for me while you're over there, too. I don't know. <laughs> exciting. It's an exciting time to be alive, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, so so the the, the, bottle, the, the plastic bottle things, that's really, really cool. And I appreciate uh, the, the note to Ask Bio. That's, yeah. And and right out of here, I mean, that, that Ask Bio, right? I mean, it's just, it's just so many, so many. You know, what, what it tells you is 20 years ago, there was innovation and there's innovation today. And, and entrepreneurship is kind of the vehicle where these ideas take root. And so, you know, I'm very uh, bullish about the future. Um, we yeah, just have to solve some of our biggest problems and we got a lot of them. Yeah. And those companies either get acquired or become public companies that then become part of people's portfolios. So this is it's exactly right. It's a wealth creation engine. And yep. uh, just very exciting to see uh, the American spirit of innovation still chugging wow. along and making, making uh, you know, new stories that we'll be talking about for the next 20 years. Love it. Perfect way to end. Heads out. Right. Well, Listen, brother, I hope, I hope you feel a little better with that. <laughs> you just, you just, I mean, wife rub that thing down put a little ice yeah, no. we tried man and it just made it worse so it's it was terrible uh, i know it is it, it, it just will grab you and then yeah put you on the ground yeah it's amazing well, well listen, but i appreciate you working with me yeah man and, listen, uh, go, go rest up i'm gonna need you to come off the bench you know what i'm saying uh, yeah absolutely ted thanks for the time i appreciate it and uh, have a great weekend thank you so much